how do we create spaces um, where accountability is celebrated? Mm. Because I think that's the through line between like all of the experiences I've had, whether it's in somewhere corporate, whether it's in the spiritual community and the wellness community, um, mm. I've, it, the, it, the lack of difference is astounding. Um, the really, I think that has been one of the common experiences of mine, not only with just like everything that was portrayed in Strip Down, Rise Up, but in all of the businesses that contributed to like my desire to not ever work for a company again and to like work by myself. Um, the through line was the way in which calls for accountability were treated. This is Pussy Empowered Podcast, and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. As a pussy empowerment coach, I teach women how to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. As a sacred erotic creatrix, I surrender to new heights of embodied, expressed art, and performance myself. On this podcast, I share about my approach to pussy power and interview fellow paradigm-shifting badasses about theirs. What you're about to hear is part of a seven-conversation series on demystifying stripping and decolonizing sexual empowerment. Misha Dolores is an embodiment movement facilitator and a learning and development consultant for witches, mystics, and spiritual babes of color. In this conversation, we address accountability and integrity in mission-based industries, including the feminine empowerment world, what it can look like and what it definitely does not look like. Misha shares her expertise and approaches to using your voice responsibly and creating healthy boundaries in spaces that are more about talking the talk than walking the walk. This is such an important conversation. Here we go. Hi. Hello. Oh. Hi, Misha. It's so nice to meet you in, in person. I know. It's so nice to just like meet virtually, like face to face, so to speak. Yeah, I feel like I know you. We've been talking. We've been talking so much on the on the gram here. Same. Same. Uh, over here. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. I think I am super stoked to be here. Um, I thought it was really fitting earlier. Um, you were so accommodating, like, oh, like, how do you want me to introduce you? Um, and when we were messaging, I jokingly said, like, you could just introduce me as like recovering from white workspaces. But the more and more I thought about that, the more and more I was like, oh, you know, like that's, <laughs> it's yeah. like such a, such a huge, it's so tied to um, mm. even the way we met, but tied to like, what I feel I can contribute to this conversation. I know that um, I have, I've, you know, I've never been a stripper and I don't necessarily consider myself an expert, so to speak, on like sexual empowerment, but I have had a lot of experience working for people who claim to be those things in mm. their own spaces. Um, and the ways in, you know, like which I've um, experienced kind of being like, oh, like, just my experiences in kind of like holding people accountable 
and their reactions to that request for accountability. So, mm. um, yeah, feel free to, to hop in. I don't know if you had like an yeah, yeah. So, uh, introduction. God, thank you for thank you for presenting all of that. Um, I'm yeah, I'm grateful, and I don't think that we need to be experts in order to have this conversation mm. either, because yeah. you know I just think it's an important conversation for us for us all to be having. Um, mm. But, but I just want to start by introducing you so <laughs> that everyone knows who you are. And I'm so excited that you're here. And then I'll talk about how we met. But cool. um, so Misha Dolores is a, an embodied movement facilitator with a background in Latin uh, social dance and also in pole instruction. And also, <laughs> I want to get the wording on this, right? So I'm going to read it. Uh, you're a learning and development consultant for witches, mystics, and spiritual babes of color, which sounds so magical. So thank you for sharing that. And also, I thought it was really interesting because you, you also specify that you don't identify as a healer. I thought that was super interesting. And I would love, um, well, first, if I missed anything in my introduction, if you could please fill that in. But also, if you could speak a little bit more to what that distinction looks like for you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for, for for all of that. It is kind of like, I am in this liminal space of transitioning into like, you know, I used to work, the background is that I used to work for startups doing their learning and development. So people who, like the people who are onboarding new employees, training customer service reps to know anything about everything um, when it comes to like people who call in and what to do um, if they ever don't know what to do, so to speak. Mm. Uh, so a lot of that had, you know, there's, there's, a, it was a lot of, um, instruction, a lot of, uh, teaching by example, and then also just like teaching in like lecture format, teaching, um, and running trainings remotely. And so, uh, mm. I got kind of sick of doing that, um, in places, you know, I, it's interesting because I've, the places for whom I've worked, um, have always been like mission-based uh and the way that I connect to my work it's very hard to separate like spiritually from like you know like what I do for work and making a living and like the beliefs that I have and so almost every place that I've ever worked for um I had been a customer at for at least like a, a customer or at least like following you know their offerings for a good like six months to a year and then being like oh this this place is hiring let me offer my skills uh, and it's this, the cycle that I've experienced is, uh, like this, a lot of enthusiasm, um, around like their mission and what they're contributing to the world and being, um, you know, like cl just claims to be like more than just like, you know, a, like some capitalist business. Uh, and then, you know, especially like going there, working, seeing behind the scenes, like all of this stuff that they're talking, all this good that they want to do in the world, are they reflecting it and how they're treating their employees? And inevitably, at least in, in my experience over the past like seven, eight, nine years, um, there is an, an inevitable deviation from that and how uh, mm. people handle that deviation, how people handle, um, you know, the calls for accountability around that deviation is kind of like mm. been the ending of every place I've ever worked at. And so now I'm kind yeah. of like, I have all this experience around um, facilitating learning, creating curriculum, 
for people um, and then hosting that curriculum, that information, that training, that content remotely. Um, and so that's kind of like the long and short of like my experience before essentially becoming a freelancer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is that it's, I got tired of writing the same resignation over like the, the same resignation letter over and over and over again about like, hey, you know, like, I really liked your company. I was a, I was a customer for a while. I then became an employee because of, you know, the experience I had as a customer. And mm. then there was this deviation. And when people tried to call you in about it, uh, those voices were silenced. They were disregarded. They were villainized. Uh, and I, I can't in good conscience stay for that. <laughs> mm. um, and even as I was coming away from like corporate world, startup world, and started working for other smaller businesses, um, who are claiming to do that same thing, especially within the feminine empowerment world, within the um, reclamation of your feminine sexuality world. Uh, it's almost uncanny <laughs> how many times like that same thing, that same cycle would happen where it's like this, this commitment to a mission, commitment to an mm -hmm. idea, commitment to some type of empowerment for some crazy uh, demographic community set of people and then uh kind of being called back into integrity whenever there's a breach of that um mm. and so here i am getting kind of like disillusioned with like working with kind of like working for other people and people who like claim to have this mission-based drive that is supposedly the center of everything that they want to be doing and the impact they want to be having with their business um, in the meantime, in all of this disillusionment, I'm also, you know, like as a, as a hobby and really as like, uh, like a therapeutic activity, mm -hmm. uh, exploring embodiment in all these different forms. So, um, I, doing pole, doing like Latin partner dancing, there's, there's always this, uh, the through line is this embodied connection, whether it's embodied connection with yourself, embodied connection with yourself and another individual or a partner. Um, and so being really inspired by, um, by that and mm. to then kind of get to the part of like not identifying as a healer, I think um, for better, you know, I mean, really just for worse, I feel like the word healer has been um, hijacked a lot lately. Uh, and people, and this isn't, this isn't like blanket for everyone who identifies as a healer. I just know that my personal reasons for not identifying as a healer is like, I consider myself more of a facilitator. So like, I'm the person, like, you know, if I was going to host an event, a lot of the, a lot of the events that, um, I host a lot of the sessions that I put on, um, are less about like, oh, I have this knowledge and I am offloading this knowledge to you and I am the source and you are the recipient and having that kind of um, relationship that is very easy to turn mm -hmm. into like a hierarchical relationship. I, um, the way in which I work with people, whether it's through embodiment work or through um, kind of like a, this learning and development consulting is kind of like, you know, I know <laughs> that you are the one with the knowledge. And my job as a facilitator is to create a space in which you feel safe and supported mm. doing that work for yourself. 
And so what that looks like as a learning and development facilitator for like, you know, witches, mystics, spiritual, you know, like embodiment practices, et cetera, is um, it really looks more like me getting an understanding of what your knowledge already is and me asking questions that are effective in drawing out the knowledge that you already have. Mm. Um, and I think like, there's ways in which this ties back to, I think, like the accountability, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, mm. And so even if it's an in an embodiment practice, you know, my job is to create a space and a container where people feel safe and held um, to like bring their own tools and do whatever work um, that they are wanting to work on. It's very, it's a little bit more self-guided and a little less like, you know, it, it's more of a dialogue than a monologue. And so mm. a lot of what I aim to do just like is really about putting people in touch with the knowledge that they already have mm -hmm. and providing like a soundboard for like, oh, okay, if this is the intent that I have for what, you know, I want to create a feeling of this, you know, I want to create XYZ feeling or understanding in myself, or I want to create XYZ you know, effect or um, understanding it with like this course that I'm creating, you know, like my job is to kind of help people uh, to provide structure for people to put together their own information so that they can like present it as a course, present it as a workshop, present mm -hmm. it as a curriculum to their own clients. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I would, I would consider myself more of a facilitator. <laughs> Right. Not, like someone who holds space for people to put down whatever is getting in the way of, you know, them healing themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very self-guided. It's very much like you get to choose whatever you are working on today in this group, in this space, in this container. Like, mm. and the most that I would be doing is providing prompts or tools that help kind of like draw that out for people things right. that people can meditate on to explore whatever, you know, their topic of choice deeper for themselves. Um, and so that's. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah, you for I that distinction. I feel like, yeah, I, I totally see how you, I mean, the, the word healer has been just like become this all encompassing term. And I think it's totally overused and I don't, I've, I've struggled to find the word that feels the best to me like right now I've been using coach but mm. I've also been feeling into practitioner which is it, it it is I think it is the future of creating structures that are not just replicating patriarchal models yeah. like especially if we're talking about empowerment and feminine getting in touch with the feminine model or another model that's not um power over someone else it's like power with right with the definition that I like to use of Brene Brown it's like power with yeah um, power within and putting people back in touch with their own innate power versus telling them what to do or how to do it um, which I think is just again just upholding a hierarchy like you said so well and that kind of leads me into um, how we met yeah <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah completely connect the dots there but um we did meet because um well right after I started sharing about my experience with the documentary strip down rise up um 
one of a, a friend actually tagged me in something that you had shared. And at that time, I didn't know, like, there was nobody else having the conversation around me. I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say what I'm feeling. And I was very still trepidatious about it I was like I don't really know you know I'm you were you saw some of the videos that in the beginning I was just kind of yeah. like I don't really know if I should say this but and then I was like okay I'm saying this <laughs> this is messed up but part of what gave me the um just like just knowing that I wasn't the only person who was experiencing something from the same modality uh you know just knowing that I wasn't crazy <laughs> essentially because when I went to your page, I saw a whole highlight reel about um, S trauma. And <laughs> I saw what you were saying. And I was like, Oh, my God, I just so, um, you know, I don't want to say validating, because it's not that I hoped that that was the case. It was just <laughs> like, my intuition was right. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's what happens when people use their voices, right? Like we learn that we're not alone and our, you know, it's just comes out into the open. So, so firstly, just thank you for sharing what you did share. Um, I don't want to center the conversation around this necessarily, but I do want to say that that's how we connected. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you here because we've been kind of having it like in the DMs yeah. and in the comment section. So we need to talk this out. So um Thank you for, for being here to, and willing to, to have that conversation. Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me into conversation. Thank you so much for like your accommodation around like um, really just like everything. Um, and so for people who for people who are watching or listening later, um, I think this ties back a lot to how do we create spaces um, where accountability is celebrated because I think that's the through line between like all of the experiences I've had, whether it's in somewhere corporate, whether it's in the spiritual community and the wellness community. Um, mm. I, the, it, the lack of difference is astounding. Um, the really, I think that has been, one of the common experiences of mine, not only with just like everything that was portrayed in Strip Down, Rise Up, but in all of the businesses that contributed to like my desire to not ever work for a company again and to like work by myself. Um, the through line was the way in which calls for accountability were treated. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the times it was treated with uh, dismissal. Um, it was treated with, it was, you know, they responded by gaslighting and villainizing the people who were like, hey, what you're, what, you're, what, you're, what you're doing in practice over here doesn't match at all with what you're preaching over right. there. <laughs> and as like the center of your business, there's, and I think, um, I think, I, I wish it had been surprising when it happened, like in, you know, in the instances it's happened in the like spiritual and wellness and empowerment community. I like, I, I really wish it was surprising, but like when it did happen, like when those things happen, um, it just, it just felt so the same. I think that was what was surprising to me is how 
the same it felt. Um, and so I think even, even in our own interactions, you know, like Alyssa, when like you first reached out um, and I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Like I would love to be in conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, like I, you know, and like part of what I wished I had seen <laughs> in other companies is like something that I did like in our interactions where it was like, oh, like if this is about demystifying stripping and decolonizing um, sexual empowerment and everything, like uh, my original response was like, I would be, I would love to be here. And I know that there are other people who have been doing this work before me um, to make a living as part of their own like lived experience and like, I was really wanting to like pass the mic, so to speak, accordingly, um, just to honor <laughs> that reality. Um, and I think what I see is these transgressions happen when people try to be an authority on something that they have no experience with. Mm. Uh, and then people are like, hey, that's not actually, you know, like people with lived experience going in to be like, hey, that's not actually how this works. Or this isn't actually as helpful as you think it is, um, mm. which, in and of itself uh, can be a conversation. I know there's places that I've just straight up left because I had no confidence that they would be able to repair that. Um, there are people who, you know, they are in like, it's one thing to kind of support and it's another thing to kind of like call yourself an authority and then profit off of, off of the people who come to you for your services thinking you're an authority on something, mm. for instance, like racism, um, being like a white person who's never done any work around anti-racism um and so all of that is to say like i want to really have integrity around um what i don't know and integrity around when i've messed up mm. you know mm -hmm. like and so like having you know the other part is reconciling with the idea that like I have worked at these companies or with these in these places that have either as a company caused harm to people or within their own company culture have caused harm to employees. And I think part of, I think part of decolonizing sexual empowerment is like acknowledging those places in which we've messed up, in which we've been ignorant, in which we've caused harm. And to not let any like defensiveness or shame or whatever get in the way of like pursuing repair. I think if people are really serious about um, keeping their employees or running, you know, like having, like calling themselves an anti-racist like company, like, you can't just like pick and choose like what anti-racism is or isn't if you also are like new to it yourself. Mm. And if you're not willing to like use the moments in which you've messed up as like learning opportunities, which people cheer for you when you do that. I mean, like it's one of those things where like, uh, even just like to give an example for the term cancel culture, you know, I think that whole term is like, just a way for people to villainize others who are calling for accountability. You know, mm -hmm. I think to use the term cancel culture is kind of like implying that, you know, 
an influencer or whoever, a personality, a company is entitled to follows <laughs> uh, no matter what. Whereas, mm. you know, like some of the things I've seen people post online, I'm like, if somebody said that to my face, that would definitely damage our relationship, like personally. And mm -hmm. so within the context of a personal relationship, it's like, if I was interested in maintaining that relationship, I'd be like, hey, you know, like, can we talk about this and how this was harmful and kind of like what you're going to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again as part mm -hmm. of establishing my own boundaries. And, mm -hmm. and then for that person to like respond, we're like, oh, well, like if you need to establish boundaries with me and you're not going to be friends with me anymore just because this happened, you know, you're trying to cancel me. And I'm like, that seems like a really ludicrous thing that you would say for two people trying to work out an instance where harm happened. But for some right. reason, so it's acceptable for people to enforce that same dynamic. <laughs> like on social media um mm. so there's this like seeming entitlement to like followers or entitlement mm. to you know visibility or um, mm. that seems to take precedence um or essentially they're just valuing that more than the personal relationships that they're having with the people who interact with their brand their brand the people who give them their business mm. um and it's ultimately a way to like dismiss accountability um, and mm -hmm. so like, I think almost every resignation letter I've ever written, <laughs> um, for better or for worse has like, I've included verbiage around that where I'm just like, mm. look, like, you know, people try to like, hold you accountable for like, Hey, like we're still here and we're like trying to like help you, uh, right. <laughs> make sure that you're like not harming people. Mm -hmm. um, and for that to be met with like silencing, erasure, like that in and of itself is violent. Um, mm -hmm. So to kind of like tie it back to this, I think like we see this happening a lot in the wellness community in general, <laughs> um, specifically when people are trying to be like, hey, like this is appropriation, <laughs> you know? And instead of people responding like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me, what can I do to like do repair or, you know, I'll do some research on my own for how to educate myself. Like the response is like, mm -hmm. well, every, everyone can do everything and everyone's connected to everything. And like just this, this whatever form of dismissal mm -hmm. that people are using, it's um, like, I feel like that's like the common through line. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, um, you've said so much and it, it's, yeah, so, so it's a problem of integrity, a problem of accountability, a problem of fear around loss of power as well. I mean, it's, I mean, so much, and it's so much more, right? Mm. So much more underlying those those fears um but so to take it to the idea of how what it does look like to hold inclusive accountable space responsible space what is the i know that you have been forced to be in this in this space of thinking about this you know like it, because of the positions that you've been in 
um, maybe force isn't the best word, but you have gone out of your, your way to think outside the box, like what is missing from this space? And maybe that could be the direction that we take, that we go next, like what, what do you have to share about that? Not that, that you need to have the solution either, but I, I'm, I guess what you're taking into your own freelance spaces and your own, um, in your own practice, that's a kind of uh, open-ended question. <laughs> no, it's, a lot of it is learning, um, and a lot of it is relearning. Um, mm -hmm. I think, especially over the past year, that's like something that's been coming up for people is like learning and relearning. Um, I think there's so many things that so many things that tie into the shame people have around relearning. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't also excuse like the impact um, of when people like refuse to relearn something. Uh, so I think generally, especially like, without going too much into just like how, like the hand and in which capitalism has in coloring everything, I think, um, people approach it from a very all or nothing thing. Like, oh, like if I messed up this one time, then everything I ever knew about this is somehow wrong. And I have all of this stuff to relearn and I have no, you know, time to do that. And um, like, even with just those few things, there's so many other factors that like go into the relationship that people have around relearning. And I know that in my own like, you know, that's some, that's, that's the focus that I've been having is like relearning. I think, you know, I, I feel like I know a, a lot about being involved with companies and being able to like take from that, like what not to do, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And a lot of it is relearning like, okay, like if I originally got like my education about something in this really toxic place, like what do I do to make sure, you know, and a lot of that has to like, what do I do to make sure that I'm not bringing those toxic practices with me? And mm -hmm. um, especially if I'm wanting to be like inclusive and creating spaces where everyone like does feel safe and to like center the experiences of, of like marginalized communities, like there's no shortcut <laughs> like it's just like learning about um like just learning about it you know mm -hmm. like there are so many courses like you know there's courses out there that are like how to make your practice inclusive for people who are disabled how to make your practice safe and inclusive for people who are trauma survivors you know and i think part of part of the violence that exists around that is like people thinking that they can just like read a few instagram posts or like, you know, follow somebody who does that and automatically think that they're qualified to label mm. their space as such, because then people come in thinking like, oh, this is a safe space for me. And it turns out that there's not. And then there's just like this cycle again of either people not feeling safe or people speaking up and being like, hey, like this practice like wasn't so great. Like this instance, this happening wasn't so great. And, um, you know, a lot of the times if people like the same people who think they can just read a few Instagram posts um, are the same people who are like 
probably not super open to uh, repair. Mm. At a foundational level. On a foundational mm. level. And mm -hmm. not to say that that's like a blanket statement that applies all the time. Um, but even just speaking like from my own experience, uh, the time it took me to leave different places has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. Uh, because, you know, like the work that I've done with myself and the work that, you know, like getting clear on my relationship with myself and like, what do I want, you know, what are the ways in which I want to help? Um, you know, because there's always like this feeling of like, oh, like maybe I should just stay and like help them reform this so that they don't keep doing this to people. Where do mm -hmm. I draw that line and have that balance between like, I'm leaving this situation because like, I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And at what point am I also, um, you know, refusing to engage in a place where I could have helped, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a question that is different like for everyone it's completely based on the environment it's completely based on you know what makes you feel both like safe and um with an integrity to your own values um i think a lot of it for me has been like both intuition and both knowing like being okay as a person of color as a woman of color being like I don't have to be the person to teach this to somebody, mm. especially if doing so requires me to kind of keep putting myself in harm's way. Uh, mm. Like, and that has just been it for like my individual situations. There are some people for whom you're, that are, that are like, oh, I do feel safe enough to kind of stay and like, you know, fight this fight or like have like, you know, have this conversation or to keep pushing for and advocating with this, for this change by like having my, you know, presence around here. And that, that works too. I think it, you know, um, getting clear on those values and being realistic with what you do know and what you don't know mm. um, is so key. And I think having a practice like that that supports you in that, that nourishes you for, uh, in the face of the inevitable feelings of like, like shame or guilt mm. that come up is also really important. You know, like I think like just constantly, consistently bringing up those conversations and making sure that you are well enough to continue having those conversations, to continue educating um, yourself and to make sure that you are, you know, you have a practice that supports your anti-racism practice, that you have a practice that supports you, you know, so that mm. like, yeah, maybe like, you know, it's not like, oh, you have to be on all the time, but also like reading a few books and then taking no action also doesn't help anybody. Mm. Um, and so having a practice that is like, you know, what, what, how, what, how can I reground and continue my, my practice um, in dismantling oppression, you know, especially for people who are in places of privilege, <laughs> you know, that's gonna look different than people who are most affected by the systems of oppression that exist. It's gonna look different. And so 
Um, in like speaking to my own experiences and what I wished I'd seen mm -hmm. and what would have made me feel safe in the places that, you know, I ultimately ended up leaving um, was one like a, a willingness to have a dialogue and a willingness to listen um, when people like, you know, bring up an instance in which harm was done. I think also um, having it be part of like the ongoing conversation, whether it's your business or your brand or you as a person, like talking about, you know, and not from a place of like, here's what we're doing to kind of like, you know, play the like performative allyship Olympics, but more so mm -hmm. like saying, hey, we recently fucked up around this and this is how we handled it. This is what we could have done better and making the call for other businesses to do the same, mm. you know, to be like, not necessarily from a place of like, look how great we're doing, but like, if we can do it, you can do it too. Like if you've seen us do it and if you've seen us lay it out, there's no excuse for you to not be able to do this within your own business. Mm. Um, that's something that I wish I would have seen. It's definitely something I've asked for multiple times at different places of work and got met with like, you're crazy. <laughs> mm. uh, and so, you know, there's, and there's even been times where like, I've, there's been times where I legit straight up called for like, just stop operating as a business. If you're, if, if, if you are expecting, you know, marginalized people to kind of continue coming in to educate you, like on something that you're never going to do anyway, like you're just mm -hmm. essentially consenting um, to having your business like and you know to having your business be founded on a machine that like you know operates on the harm of marginalized communities mm. um and mm -hmm. i you know like yeah there's definitely been times where i'm like you know the option of just simply no longer operating as a business is always there you can't say that nobody ever you can't say that nobody suggested it because I'm suggesting to, to you like right now, <laughs> you know? That's real, um, yeah. And so I think like that, like, yeah, like that sort of what, like what are, I guess the question I wish they were asking more is what are we doing um, to make people safe, uh, to make people feel safe and keep in and, and like, you know, keeping us to our word. Mm. What are we doing to make, uh, to create environments where people feel um, empowered uh, to call people into accountability and people who are being called into accountability feel empowered to do repair, mm. you know? And that mm -hmm. doesn't always necessarily look like everything, you know, this has to be like, like requested in a palatable way. And, and I say palatable meaning like, there are definitely people who choose to ignore those calls for accountability um, based on like tone policing where it's like, oh, they were angry when they asked me and I don't think that's acceptable. So I'm just like going to dismiss their concern entirely, which is really just another form of gaslighting. So <laughs> um, mm. that's definitely like one of the big questions I wish that people would ask more in their practices. It's definitely something that, you know, uh, like I always hope that, you know, I'm creating as few like instances as possible where people are like calling me in for the harm that I'm doing and like those instances of harm like 
if I'm truly about like helping people and creating spaces for them to heal themselves, like that can't happen if people can't trust me to not hold a space in which harm happens. Mm. And so like, even, even just having a system where it's like, hey, like here's, here's like, you know, here's ways in which you can report harm that happened, whether it's in like a social, like right now I'm involved in um, kind of like a, like an anti-racist tango organizing group. And we've been like, you know, spending time like talking about what guidelines do we want to make available to like everyone at every social dance experience, you know, like mm. how can we make sure that people are comfortable like coming to us whenever they've experienced an instance of harm, an instance of harassment, and how can we like, you know, have like a process that everyone consents to that's visible everywhere um, mm -hmm. to know that like that's welcome and encouraged and supported um, along with implementing practices to reduce those instances of harm in the first place. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for breaking all of that down um, from, from your personal experience and also the direction that you're taking to take these action steps. And um, it, it really makes me think of the spaces that I've been in that haven't, I think that the tone that a leader sets for a space when there's no room for questions or those times when I've been in spaces with leaders yeah. that I thought, this really doesn't feel right, but I don't want to challenge their authority. Mm -hmm. And that makes me realize that those spaces were not being that transparent or, or willing to be um, less than perfect. And as long as like, they're upholding this illusion of perfection, and as long as I feel uncomfortable to share what feels off to me, then we're just playing this, this same game of, um, of the power over dynamic, the power struggle, the power, that power dynamic that is not conducive to creating real change or, um, or just being like a living, breathing thing rather than something that is set in stone and is, is just existing, hoping that nothing will ever challenge it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, those are just like thoughts that are coming into my head. But also um, something that I wanted to talk about too is that this question that, I've been getting a lot and I, I, and I know you've seen this question too of people whose response to seeing um, to seeing others, for example, with what I've spoken about recently in regards to this documentary, individuals saying, well, this really helped me. So, you know, I kind of see where you're coming from, but it really helped me. So what I'm curious about is like, how do we have a conversation where we can acknowledge that like 
we have to look at the micro and the macro level. We mm -hmm. have to look at the personal liberation and the collective liberation because if we're not, then what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just been something I've been thinking about a lot because, you know, we can have empowering experiences, but when, if, we're, if they're built on if they're built on the quicksand of something that's upholding problematic, a problematic foundation. Um, and I lost track of like my verb and my noun there, but <laughs> like where the sentence was going, yeah. it's just been something I've re been reflecting on. And I wonder if, um, if you've had similar, I guess, conversations recently, if that has been something that, maybe you have been thinking about in terms of you know what you have learned in some of these spaces for example around movement and and and, and sensuality and but then like the whole context feeling off was that a question no that, that absolutely <laughs> was a question i think it, it was like a few really good questions mm. um i think that's something i've been trying to navigate as well because on the one hand i'm like my experience is there. Uh, like, and really my, like just even my experiences both with just like the modality in the documentary as well as other places that I've left, you know, first of all, like, especially if people are like shirking accountability, if they are kind of like not wanting, you know, the people that like the people who caused harm, if they're not wanting to take accountability, they're also going to be trying to cover that all up. And so it makes sense that there's people out there who have no idea that this mm. was happening. And then the first time they're introduced to it, it's like, you know, they're like, oh, there's, you know, it's, it's really easy for people to see this as like bashing this thing that they like had such a transformative and like experience with. Like, I think that's, like right in order for like you know because for me it's really angry to then be upset <laughs> at people who are like but i had this great experience and mm. um i think in my own practice of self-care and my own relationship with anger even um i know that it's like i never want to dismiss my anger and there's like this balance between like, I know that when I'm upset, it's taxing on my body. Right. So there's like personal, like management that I do with myself that has nothing to do with excusing or my relationship with these people. It's more like, okay, like, how do I take care of myself seeing these things all the time where it's like, you know, and knowing that that's a reality, like that's going to keep happening. Um, so there's that aspect of like, how do I care for myself in the face of that, that I've been asking. And then there's also like, the only way people are ever going to hear about it is if people are talking about it mm -hmm. and talking about it, reliving it is all, it's already like another avenue of harm that can happen um, mm -hmm. in trying to bring visibility to things like this. And so um, like, I know that I personally have always been the kind of person to just like talk about it. <laughs> And to bring it up and to be like, hey, and to ask questions about it, you know, um, and to, to really bring in like, hey, 
I saw this happened, which made me and other people feel X, Y, Z. And that seems in direct, uh, like, opposition to X, Y, Z values that I understand to be central to your business. Like, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like just the ways the, the environments that I inhabited growing up, like I'm very accustomed to code switching. I feel like I can like ask any type of like, especially with all my years in customer service, it's, it's very easy and comes naturally for me to like ask questions in a palatable way, which is like, mm. a, like it's not a skill that everyone has. And for someone to like require something to be palatable is already one way in which they are trying to like shirk responsibility and accountability. That being said, knowing that I have those skills and I've had that privilege growing up, like I kind of see it as like, you know, this is a way in which I can help is to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it, if I, if it, if talking about it and also remaining in this space is too much for me, I can pick one or the other. That's like my own personal management of it. But um, mm-hmm. like the people with whom I'm interested in maintaining relationships who are like, I had a great I had a great time. I don't see what the problem is. Like, I don't know for me personally, what the way that desire to maintain a relationship manifests is having a conversation with them to be like, Hey, I know that you had a really great experience and like, this has been my experience and it'd be one thing if they weren't trying to shirk accountability, but they are. And so, you know, explaining like, look, like when you are just like, I don't see what the problem is. Here's how it's harmful to the repair and the action around people who were harmed by this. And the question I almost inevitably end up asking people who have that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like there's, there's, we're not trying to invalidate that you had a great time, but what are you doing to help survivors? Mm. You know, when you make this post that may or may not be in response to a lot of the people who are speaking out about this, how is that helping survivors? Mm. And a lot of the like a lot of the times whether or not I decide to maintain a relationship with this person or to maintain the relationship differently with that person is how they respond to that question. Um, that's a question I've been asking people a lot where I'm like, there is no question that, that you know, you were able to have an amazing experience. Like, what are you doing, essentially, to make sure that people can still have great experiences? Mm. Because that's not the case right now. And like, if, you know, like, what are, you know, and people, people have full agency to answer nothing and continue their life doing nothing about it. And that's also like, you know, it's not ideal and it's painful to kind of like hit that point in a relationship. And like, that's a reality that I've been coping with, Mm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. And on a bigger scale, like, I know it's not necessarily, like, my job to be, like, oh, okay, like, let me help this person separate their ego for a bit from reality and their relationship with someone. Um, And let me help them kind of, like, separate this so that we can, like, maintain our relationship. Um, That's a choice that people have to make. And some people Mm -hmm. are, like, I'm just gonna, like, you know, cut people off. Other people mm-hmm. are wanting to have those conversations. I think it really, like, you know, I think the, the important thing is like, not like, just not expecting that process to look the same for everyone. Right. Um, yeah. And to really call, like, you know, just to really make it clear that like, if someone's in a place of privilege, 
to talk about this, to have these conversations, to use whatever like privilege, clout or weight that they have to like essentially amplify the voices that have been marginalized and someone's choosing not to do that. Like, like what are you really, like what are they really supporting? And is this someone that I want to maintain a relationship with? Um, and so it's like, I've been trying to, for me personally, I have been trying to like draw that back, draw the question back to, yes, you had a great experience. What are you doing to help survivors? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and like, why is it that you having a great experience makes it okay for this to keep happening? Mm -hmm. And what privileges do you have to, you know, think that's okay. Cause mm. I feel like someone who's coming at it from that angle and then someone, you know, if they value a relationship like with me, for instance, like, but then they're going to choose like, oh, it's okay for them to keep operating this way as long as I can continue to have both great experiences and to continue to have like untainted memories of my good experiences. Like what privilege mm. do you have to put your, your memories and your perception of, of a place um, and have that take precedence to what's going on to people's bodies in reality right now. Mm. Like, mm. and I'm like, it's, and it's, you know, it's, I can understand how it's really easy for people to see that as an attack. And it's not my job to remind them that it's not. You know, like if they're already in a place where they're viewing that as an attack, like I have a choice whether or not I want to continue that delineation and that explanation. And that's emotional mm. labor on my end that like mm. they're not entitled to, mm. you know? Um, yeah. And I would, yeah, I would just say for people who are going through something similar, like really like, you know, knowing that you're not crazy and that you don't have to prove that to anybody um, and the degree to which you continue to like people to continue to have conversations with those people who are like, but I had a great experience, um, is completely up to that individual, mm -hmm. you know, like how, you know, I would really just be like, how, how, for someone who's going through the same thing, I would be like, you know, and this has been a, excuse me, this has been across the board for like places that I've worked where this happens, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. over the past, so like, you know, seven, eight years, it's always just been like, you know, how can I empower people to make informed choices and decisions about where they put their energy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, that, and really empowering people and helping people understand, like, that can look like anything. That can look like anything you want it to look like, because it's your, it's your energy, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So, like, if, if writing a letter is what's gonna, like, do it if like, you know, bringing it up at the company meeting or bring, you know, like, or if detaching completely is what it needs to look like, like just understanding that, you know, if you're the one who's sustained, like, you know, if you were the one who was harmed, like the ways in which you cope with that doesn't necessarily need to look like anything. And your coping mechanism doesn't have to include fighting for like this greater good. <laughs> if you're the one being harmed. Um, and like, if you're in a place of privilege, like knowing that you have, you know, by whatever privileges you have, you have a greater capacity to, 
to do that than people who are, you know, dealing with like the things that are taxing on your capacity if you're in like a marginalized community or part of a marginalized group of people. Mm. Oh, that is so um, just illuminating and the questions that you that you have used and, and shared are so important and so just integral to um, from whatever side of the, I guess, whatever side of the conversation or whatever your role, any person, individual role is within a company or within a particular modality or in a space. Um, I feel like there's so much to take away from this conversation. Um, and I'm so grateful for you for taking the time to, to, to share from your personal experience and to just be um, so so supportive for me as well just seeing you and inspiring to just see you using your voice and to understand um, to be drawn into the deeper conversation that this has just been like the head of like the the tip of the iceberg you know um, and I feel like we have, we have covered a lot of, of ground and, um, I feel like we've illuminated a lot of what, you know, just kind of the undercurrents of our interactions have been like in the last month. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about or any way that we can support you and what you're doing? Um, honestly, it's so it's been so interesting, because I think in over the course of the pandemic, and even over the course of the past few weeks, I've really only like just like, been getting solidified and like, you know, what type of work do I want to be doing? Who do I want to be working with? It's all incredibly new. Um, and so for now, um, people can follow me at, you know, uh, Mischief Misha, M-I-S-S, or I guess you can probably see it in here somewhere. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's probably like, that's where I'll be making announcements about like the different offerings I'll have around both like course creation and learning and development for, you know, like mystical witchy people <laughs> mm. who wanna like, you know, have a format um, for the content they wanna share with the people they want to help. Uh, mm. And that's also where I'll be uh, posting any type of embodied movement I'll be hosting. Um, eventually, I imagine those will become like two separate accounts, but uh, to keep up with what I'm doing, um, and to kind of, you know, support, um, I think just following um, for now is the best way. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I think for for anyone who is watching, um, whether it, you've had experiences directly uh, with S Factor or experiences in the wealth, the the um, the wellness or empowerment community in general, um, just like Alyssa was saying, you know, it, there are so many. Um, it's so easy to kind of be like, maybe I'm crazy or maybe I'm like misinterpreting things when you feel like you're the only person who has been going through that, and so. 
whatever anyone is willing to share about their experiences, like not just at S-Factor, but in the wellness community at large about feeling marginalized, having being gaslit. It is something that happens a lot to uh, people of color and especially women of color <laughs> in that realm. Like I, you know, it's so it's, um, you never know who you're helping by telling your telling your experiences you know your experiences are your own and how you choose to to talk about them or not talk about them at all is always yours but if anyone has ever been feeling like that inkling or that whisper that you know kind of like urge or intuition to share um you know like just know that your experience is yours and someone else almost certainly is having that same experience who ha is having that same hesitation to speak up about that experience um, mm. and dismantling the culture of silence <laughs> around um, just the type of harm that happens in these communities. Uh, anything and everything you're willing to talking about, you know, whether it's on a surface level or, you know, to the nth degree, <laughs> it's always helps. People will see it and be like, oh my gosh, something similar happened to me. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how conversations about accountability can get started. Um, mm -hmm. just like the number of places I've worked where I didn't realize until like maybe a year in <laughs> that other people had been trying to bring up the same conversations that I was bringing up about what I was seeing. Like, oh, like why did, why did it take me like two, three years working at a place to finally figure out that plenty of people have come and gone trying to have the same conversations that I'm having, nice. you know? Yeah. Um, and so whatever it is you want to say, whether it's privately to like your own community or um, at large publicly, like all of it, all of it is helpful. Mm. Mm. <sighs> Thank you for that. It's, and that's the reason we're having this conversation. Um, mm. And it, yeah, it goes back to, to intuition and self-trust and, um, and yeah, I think that uh, there's so much here <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we had this conversation and got to talk more in depth about, about these topics. And, and if anybody is watching now and wants to watch from the beginning, this is going to go on my feed and, um, and may eventually be part of my podcast, Pussy Empowered Podcast. Uh, we didn't talk about that. So as well, <laughs> we have to talk about if that's comfortable for you and, totally and all that. Cool. But Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so you can watch from the beginning and, and, um, and tune in and hear the whole conversation, all that Misha shared from so much wisdom and and um, and all the courage that you've had in, in speaking your truth over the years. So thank you for being an example in that and for um, using your voice and and daring to create a new paradigm of leadership and taking taking that with you on your next step. So please do support her. Go to her Instagram. Um, it's not here visible, but it will be oh. on my feed. So it's perfect it's miss underscore tiff for chief mm -hmm. underscore misha <laughs> so you can follow her there all right thank you so much misha thank mm -hmm. you thank you for having me Alyssa. and i am so grateful that you are like having these conversations 
creating opportunities for this dialogue. Um, it really is just so warming to my heart. And I think, it, you know, even just the invitation to talk about it has provided like so much support and encouragement um, and really bolstered my own courage about speaking out, like seeing you speak and then being invited to conversation. Um, thank you. Uh, I think what you're like, just what you're doing is so needed and crucial and um, impactful. Mm. Well, thank you for meeting me here. You're so appreciated. And thank you everyone who tuned in and, um, and, and, and kept us like in, you know, the sense of community as we spoke about this and to everyone who's going to watch this later on, on replay. All right. I'm sending you so much love. <laughs> Can't wait to see what comes next in your, what unfolds as you create your witchy magic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm. Have a wonderful rest of your evening or afternoon. You too. Twisted about the time zone. Yeah, don't worry. The rest of the day. <laughs> you too. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. That was such a powerful conversation. Thank you for listening in. If you want to stay up to date with Misha's important work, follow her at M-I-S-S underscore C-H-I-E-F underscore M-I-S-H-A or head to her website via the link in the show notes. If you want to receive ongoing support on your journey of pussy empowerment, I'd be honored to share my weekly newsletter with you. It's chock full of inspiration, invitations to my monthly dance parties, and tangible takeaways. Head to the link in the show notes to sign yourself up and let's take this relationship to the next level. See you next time.